have him here. I think there's there's been a lot of sickness. We got, do we have the whole Schroeder family here this week? Not the whole one yet this week? Well, I tell you what, it's, uh, I see a number of your faces here, and that's a pretty good start because uh, you guys have had a pretty rough bout with it uh, too, probably worse than anybody else. So it's good to see those of you that are here. Everyone else that's here, um, looks like uh, there's something everybody's scared of on this side of the auditorium. I'm not sure what it is, but <laughs> but uh, it kind of got a little, a little unbalanced over here. <laughs> anyway, it's good to have you all here, and hopefully now that uh, we got the holiday season behind us, we'll... Uh, Hopefully most of our travelings are behind us, well, except for Carrie's. They're going to run off on us again here after a bit, but uh, hopefully we'll have some fuller uh, Sundays again. Today is our uh, sing-along Sunday again, so uh, we'll worship together, and Steve's already doing his dance back there. He's already into it, so... <clears throat> sing along the best you can, and my kids will sing along the best they can. Um, before we get started, I'll make a few announcements. If you've got your uh, bulletins coming in, take a look at them. If you haven't, uh, that's Steve's fault. Um, <laughs> well, you'll see an extra paper in your bulletin, and that is... Uh, a little bit of a bio on Dave Arden, who's going to be a special speaker here, I believe, the last Sunday of this month. And uh, we've we've had uh, different associates with that uh, ministry to, uh, speak to us over the years, uh, David Witt, um, some guys like that. And we're going to have, uh, he's going to speak to us that Sunday morning on his uh, the missions and uh, church planting that he assists in in India, I believe. Is that right, Phil? And then he's, he's going to share the word with us that Sunday. And then in the, in the afternoon after lunch, we'll have kind of an informal sit-down where we can, uh, we'll do kind of a Q&A type of thing where you can ask him anything you'd like about the missions he's involved in, and uh, he'll share more on a conversational, uh, informal level. So we look forward to that. Other than that, uh, it's just our normal announcements. You'll see them in the uh, bulletin. We have our uh, normal lunch after the service. Uh, normally, as you know, we normally have our communion Sunday, the first Sunday of, of every month. Uh, that was postponed last weekend due to uh, almost nobody being here, so we will be observing that, and uh, we'll be a little bit more on that uh, later on in the service. So to get started, if you would like to, please stand to your feet and sing along. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and I thank you that 
you are here with us. I thank you for bringing us all together here. And for those who still couldn't be here with us today, those who may be sick or traveling, whatever the case may be, Father, I pray that you would be near them. Strengthen them. I pray that your, your presence would be with them. I thank you for your protection for all those who have uh, traveled over the holidays and so many things going on. And Father, you've, you've been faithful through another year. And now as we uh, face this new year again, I pray, Father, that your will would be, <clears throat> would be done in each one of our lives and in your church.
that your experience this morning, unending love, amazing grace, that can be your experience this morning for sure. Through this time in between the songs, if you have a testimony to share, something that the Lord's done in your life, a reflection of what he's done in the last year, what you anticipate him to do in your life this year, please feel free to share. If you have any prayer requests, anything like that, feel free to share that uh, in between the songs. Ten years is too long to go without a vacation, so I'm glad you get to do that, and I'm glad that, I'm glad that uh, you have this opportunity to go and to uh, let your light shine for Christ wherever you happen to be. Phil, can you lead us in prayer?
testimony. He is alive. Amen. You know that, that line that talks about you know the sting of death being gone and how Jesus has taken that away through through his life and, and today we we celebrate his life. Um, yesterday I had the privilege I guess you might say of uh, being at a memorial service for a young lady, 27 years old, I think, um, young wife, school teacher. She was actually a school teacher in uh, our girls' school. And uh, it was just, it, it was a blessing. Her, her father-in-law uh, led the service and, and preached a message and, and on Jesus and how Jesus is, is everything. And to me, it was, it, it was just such a blessing to hear that in, in in a time like that. And while there was a lot of sadness, there wasn't a sting there because we knew, we knew what the end is and will be and that there is resurrected life in Jesus. Amen. interesting in, in this song selection that I pulled together this morning I wasn't even uh, thinking about the uh, theme of the service and celebration of Jesus and his death and salvation for us but as you can see all, all these songs just uh, reflect that totally so think about that as we as we sing these songs the power of, of Jesus the power to raise from the dead yes. to raise us from spiritual death yes. and physically as well in the end Who has the power to raise the dead? 
give me a list of what else you need. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, can Jesus can Jesus provide that one too? Absolutely. He can do that too. Any, anything anything else you need that Jesus can't do? That's right. Jesus, only Jesus.
celebrating the the death and resurrection of Jesus, celebrating the blood that was shed for us for the complete remission of our sins, for the washing away of our sins, not as it was in the Old Testament with the, the blood of animals that covered the, our sins. Jesus' blood doesn't cover our sins. It washes them away. It washes them away clean. And we celebrate that today in this song that we all probably know about just coming to him as we are. And in this communion service, this breaking of bread that we'll have later in the service today, you come to Jesus just as you are. It's not about proving how good you are, how worthy you are to partake in this. That's not what it's about because none of us could be worthy. We may as well close the doors and go home if that's the case. It's just as I, just as I am because of his blood. The important thing is that we accept that, we believe that, we accept that atonement. That's what we need to do. We don't need to come in, in, a, man, in a manner that we think will make us worthy to accept Jesus because there's nothing we can do for that. But let's today celebrate, because it is a celebration. It doesn't have to be something sad and mournful and dark the death of Jesus the shedding of his blood his resurrection and his plan of salvation for us is a celebration so this song is sung in a lot more of a upbeat manner than what uh, you may have grown up hearing it because it is a celebration Just as I
that privilege that we have to come to you just as we are. We're broken. We're just these broken, empty vessels with nothing to show of, no no value to speak of, of our own. But you say, come. Come. Just as you are. And Father, that, I pray, is the desire of every heart here this morning. No matter where we're at, no matter the circumstances of the past week or of the past year, help us to come to you broken and just as we are this morning. Without any preconditions, but just accepting the sacrifice that you have made through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Through his death and his resurrection, through that shedding of blood that can and will wash away all our sins if we believe. Thank you for this, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. All right, in my uh, busyness this morning, I failed to uh, look at our schedule for children's lesson. Is there anyone? Maggie, do you have that? Is there anyone on for children's lesson? That would be Judd. All right. Kids, come on up here. You didn't have any songs, Carrie? Thank you. After making me stand that long, I'm going to sit, just saying. But <laughs> oh, man. Making me feel old standing that long, Anthony. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, okay. Do you guys think you're valuable? Mm, oh, gracious. Do you think you're okay? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little example here. So, if I can get it out of my pocket. Hang on. So, do you see this? Do you think this right here is valuable? Okay. Does it look valuable? Not, not in the slightest. Nah, no, you're not getting it. <laughs> anyway, so, let's say, actually, let's name this. What are we going to name him? A hundred? A hundred, no. You know what? Let's make it easy so you all have a good example. Let's name it Judd, okay? So, here's what I want you guys to do. You go over here and line up real quick, okay? Do. 
line up, each take them, and go stomp on it or jump on it, whatever you want to do. Ready? Ready, Tim? Ready? Just go. Bam. You missed it. Do it again. <laughs> okay. Your turn. Ow. That hurt. <laughs> Keep going. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to go around and do it again. Okay. Gracious. These kids don't like me. <laughs> okay. Oh, ow. Jeez. <laughs> Faster. You're going to do it again. <laughs> ow. Jeez. Why are you guys... Gracious. Okay. I think that's good now. So, now that we look at it, after all y'all walked all over it like crazy, does it look any different? Yeah. Really? What does it look like? Does it look a little bit crumpled up now? He's not very happy anymore, is he? No. But okay, but now how much is it worth? Is it worth like maybe 20 bucks now? No. No? No, it's 100. It's still 100, isn't it? Okay. So now if you want to stop and think about it, there's going to be a whole bunch of times when you're growing up, people are going to be mean. They're going to say stuff that's not nice about you and stuff. They're going to be just mean. They're going to jump all over you and stuff. But in the end, you're still worth way more than they can ever take from you. And they can never take any value from you because you're a child of God. And he made you and he loves you. So I think that's about it. (laughs) Go back. All right. Thank you, Judd. Let me see where we're at here. Here we are. Happy birthday to somebody. Let's see who it is. We have a list. Is there another slide there? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe we don't have a list. Who has a birthday this month? Faith, where are you? Ah, she's hiding on that side. Noah, I don't think Christopher's here. There's Noah. Eden, you got a birthday. Where are you? There you are. All right. And Merv's the old man of the bunch, right? Okay. (laughs) Let's sing happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. So you get to start off the year being another year older. All right. Okay, Phil's going to share the word for us. Come on up here, Phil. I'll pray for you and uh, turn the time over to you. Father, I thank you for my brother. I pray that you would uh, speak through him this morning. I thank you for healing his body this week, and I pray that you would... Now, continue to fill him with your spirit, and uh, Father, just speak the words to us through him that you would have us here this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. You may turn your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 2. A word the Lord has been sharing with me and doing in my heart this week has been this word. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I was given this some years ago. I think maybe you gave it to me, Mom, did you? This little box of uh, kind of a a motto here of amazing love. And I I hung this up in my office and I look at it regularly and ponder it deeply. The cross of Jesus Christ was not beautiful like that one. It was ugly like this one. The cross only meant one thing, death. It was not something pretty you hung around your neck and lifted up and prayed to or said a prayer over. It was not a good luck charm. It was an instrument of your death. When the Romans said, we're going to crucify you, it means that you're going to have not only a death, but a long suffering death, a shameful death, a public one out beside the road, outside the gates of the city, where everyone going in and out of the city that day could look at you and see you hang there, not fully clothed, but naked, dying for your sin. And everyone was talking about what you did to deserve that death. And that was the end of your life. Any volunteers? If you haven't volunteered this death, and you're still dead in your sins, you're not a part of Jesus Christ or his family or his life. You belong into the devil's kingdom and he's ruling over your life. And there's one person who's alive in your body. It's you. Christ is not there. And yet so many people in this world come to Jesus like I physically did up here this morning. They hear a song and they come kneeling here. And they are received forgiveness from their sins. For real. Jesus said, if you come unto me, I won't cast you out. And 1 John chapter 1 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that happens to the smallest child the moment they do something wrong or disobey their parents and they say, I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry, Mama. Please forgive me. Or to the senior who gets cranky with their caretakers and they say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And they say a prayer. But that is not the end of your life. It's only the forgiveness of your sin. And there's a big difference. The difference is that you're still alive. And so you can get up off your knees and you can walk out these doors forgiven, but alive. My question to you today is, are you dead and have been made alive? Are you resurrected alive or have you never been crucified? You see, Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, puts this truth in front of them because this church was trying to establish their righteousness before God by their good works, by obedience to the law. And they were proclaiming themselves as righteous because of what they did and what they believed. And Paul says, it's all witchcraft. Look at the next verse. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You went to a witch and were deceived. If you believe this. If you believe that that forgiveness makes you a Christian, you are bewitched and deceived. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he then who provides you with the Holy Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Paul continues with this truth in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll read in verse 12, beginning in verse 12. Galatians chapter 6. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply that they may not be persecuted for what? The cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I should boast except 
for this one thing. I'd like to ask you, what are you boasting about? Now, don't be sacrilegious and try to fool us and say, I don't boast about anything. Yes, you do. We all boast. If not with your mouth and your heart, you do boast. You think boastful thoughts about something. We all do. Either you give credit for who you are to yourself and what you do to yourself or to Christ. It's one or the other. You give credit to someone for things you believe you're doing well. And you discredit someone for things that you believe you're doing not so well. Who is getting the credit or the discredit in your life? Paul says, may it never be, not even once, that I should boast, whether it's in my heart or in my thoughts or with my mouth, that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is his boast. Guess what the cross did in him? The cross put Jesus' physical body to death. He never came back in that body again. He had a different spirit. A spirit that raised up, yes, the marks were in that body, but that body now had the power to go through closed doors and all of a sudden appear, which it never did before. It was different. It was raised by the power of God. And it was the body that ascended up on high. That's why he told Mary, when, when Mary met him in the garden, don't touch me. Don't touch me yet. He never had said that before. Something had drastically changed through that death and the resurrection. And his relationship with the disciples changed. His whole relationship to everything changed through that death and his resurrection. And Apostle Paul says, so did mine. May it never be that I boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is my boast. The world through which the world has been crucified to me. The world is dead to me now. Yet not dead. I'm living in this world. I've been raised a new person just like Jesus was raised up and walked on the same roads that he walked before he had been crucified. But a different, he had a different relationship to it. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Not only have those things been now crucified to me, in here, this is dead. These thoughts and relationships and affections to the world I live in are drastically changed because there's been a death and a resurrection by the power of God. That is the new birth. And if you haven't experienced that, you're not born again. You don't belong to Christ yet. Your sins may be forgiven, but you're not. The world is still alive to you. 
And you'll walk out these doors and you'll be as aggravated and frustrated as your neighbor down the street and as what you were yesterday with this whole world. You'll be as affected by money in this world as what you were yesterday. You'll be as affected by relationships and by what your neighbors or your friends say or the people driving down the street cut you off will affect you just like it did yesterday. Nothing changed in your relationship to this world or your relationship to your wife or your husband or your children. It all stays the same. The struggle is still there. Nothing changes. But this, this truth changes everything. And this change is a change that's easily sung but rarely lived. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, I'll begin in verse 21 actually. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. Your closest friend will tell you this when you take up your cross to follow Jesus. Your wife will tell you it. Your husband will. Everyone in your world will say these words to you. They may not say it quite so strongly, but they'll think it, and you'll feel that influence coming on your life every time you take up your cross to follow Him. The Lord makes sure of it because this is what the cross does. It separates you from the closest earthly relationship you have to himself. It severs that with an ugly public death to your spirit. If that separation isn't done, then you can't be truly married to Jesus. You cannot enter into this relationship where he alone is your God. Where he alone has the affections of your heart. And where your obedience is like nothing else. Only to him. He's the love of your life. The greatest love of your life. God forbid it, Lord, that this should happen to you. Peter meant it well. He wasn't mocking. He meant it. Jesus. No. No. This can't be happening. You're my Lord. I'm your disciple. You can't go and die on a cross like this. He knew what that looked like. He knew. He had seen it. Not Jesus. Not his Jesus. Not his Messiah. God forbid it, Lord, that this shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned to Peter and said, And I believe he said it with the most gracious, loving way that anyone has ever said these words to another human being. I can picture Jesus. They were walking on the road as Jesus was talking to him. 
And Jesus is telling him this. And Peter may be right behind him and say, Jesus, God forbid it, Lord. And Jesus stops, turns around, and he lovingly looks him in the eye and he says, Get behind me, Satan. You do not savor the things which are God's, but of this world's. Have you heard Jesus say that to you? Yes, you have. Every time we avoid the cross of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will speak these most loving but truthful words into our eyes. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Or you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. That's the difference. One is God's purpose, God's interests for your life. The other is your interest and other people's interests and purpose for your life. That's what the cross separates in my life every time. That's the death. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Hey, all of you, you're wishing to come after me? They all thought they were coming after him. They were his disciples. Peter had said earlier, Lord, did we not leave everything and follow you? But Jesus looks at them, not the multitude, at them who are following him and says, If any one of you wish to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. Not maybe, will. You seek to save something in your life, you will lose it. Shall lose it. But whoever loses his life, whoever takes up the cross and loses his life, suffers the death. His life, for my sake, shall find it. Every act of obedience to Jesus is the cross of Jesus in my life. Every act of obedience is a death to my own will, to my own interests and others around me in obedience to him. That's what separates his life in me from this world. It has this effect every time. Crucifies the world to me and me to the world. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Forfeits his soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul. There is always the exchange. And if we don't take up the cross. We've exchanged his life for mine. For the son of man is going to come in the glory of his father with his angels. And will recompense every man according to his deeds. This deed. All that is uncrucified in your life when Jesus comes back 
when I go home with you. First Corinthians chapter 3 says, everything we do will be tried with fire. And if it's hay, wood, and stubble, meaning earthly things, it'll just explode right in front of your face, turn into ashes. And you'll go without that. But whatever has been crucified in an act of obedience, in an act of surrender, in an act of the cross, will go with you. That's the recompense. There, they'll go with you as the reward of your suffering of the cross. Truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Now great multitudes were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, this is now to the multitudes, and look at the different, how he phrases it differently. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What is the first thing the cross of Jesus touches in my life? The relationships closest to me. Now that's a whole different level than just having your sins forgiven, your brother, sister. And if you've experienced the cross, like Paul says, and you can say those words, Lord, I will boast in nothing but the cross, the separation that your cross has brought to my inner man from all earthly relationships, even the closest ones, even the ones I'm commanded to love as Christ loves the church, there is a difference if the cross of Jesus has not put my own interests in this relationship to death. It remains earthly, fleshly, and it turns demonic because there's selfishness to it. I will love her for my own interests, what I get out of it in my own selfish way. And the best selfish love is demonic. The best selfish even to the point of sacrifice is still from the devil from the flesh because its origin its origin hasn't come from him it's not an act of obedience it's an act of my will instead of his will there's only one thing that took jesus to the cross and he spoke of it clearly he did not die for you or me those songs are wrong and they, they, they twist our theology. And you know what they do? They make the cross and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ about me. There's self-interest. Jesus said it very clearly. His struggle was not to die for you or me. 
Any man can do that. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. I heard of a story not too long ago of a Navy SEAL who was fighting in Iraq. True story. I don't remember the guy's name. But they were pinned down on a flat-top house roof by a sniper as they were doing their mission. And all of a sudden, a hand grenade was thrown up on the roof. And there were like five guys around there. And the captain, this guy was a sergeant, and, and so he was the leader of the team. And he sees that, and they had a few seconds to react. He was at the stairway. He could have easily ducked behind and saved his life. But no, everyone else would have been killed. So you know what he does? He throws himself over the grenade. Boom! The grenade blows his body to bits. Every other man was saved. Some were wounded, but none of the others died. And we say, it's the greatest love in the world. It is. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. But that is not God's love. It could be if he was a Christian and he did it in an act of obedience to God, he will get his heavenly reward. But he could be an atheist and do that. Because that's what he was trained to do. I don't know this man or his relationship with God or anything else about him except that part of the story of his life. But that doesn't mean he went to a heavenly reward. Do you understand the difference? 1 Corinthians 13 says it clearly. You can give your body to be burned and not have love. You can give all your goods and sell them and give the money to the poor and not have love. And it profits you nothing. But this, Jesus' cross, the struggle that Jesus had was, Father, not my will, but yours be done. That's why he was crucified. It was his Father's will. And he took that cup from his Father and he went to the cross because it was his Father's will. Not his will. He didn't have that much compassion for you. He didn't even know you then, yet he was a man on earth, the son of man, yet the son of God, but he was here to do his father's will. Now, was it for sin that he died? Yes, and my sin was a part of all that sin. But do you see how selfishly we look at the very cross of Jesus Christ? You know why we look at it that way? Because that's how we live our Christian life. We haven't been crucified with Christ. That self-interest is well intact. My sins have been forgiven many times over, almost every day. But the cross of Jesus Christ has not put my own self-interest to death and identified me with Jesus. And what happens at that death is the same as what happened to Jesus. Not my will, Lord, but yours. That's the cross of Jesus. That's the power of his resurrected life. When that exchange happens, Jesus says, you're just like me. I'm going to fill you, that area of your life, now with my life. And the life which I now live, I don't live anymore like I used to with my own self-interest. But I live it by the faith of God who loved me gave himself.
That changes this whole relationship. No more self-interest. His will. His will. And all my love and all my life with her now becomes his, an act of obedience to his will and vice versa. And now, every day, my flesh is crucified. Paul said, I die daily. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. This is a daily experience where the ugliness of the cross, the public humility of the cross goes to work in my heart and kills my self-interest, my selfish desires, my fleshly perspective, and puts it under the obedient act of his will in my love for my wife, in my love for my children, in my act of service in sharing his own word, or whatever you do in serving the body of Christ. Now, every act of love, laying down your life for others, becomes an act of obedience with a heavenly reward and the self-interest is gone. And after you've done it well, you've obeyed well, pride will not well up within your heart. The boastful thoughts will be towards him. Jesus, you did it. That's what will come out of your mouth. God did it through me. When people bless you, it was not I, but him who did it through me. And you're not sacrilegious. You're not just saying the, the cliche is for real. It's a testimony. Your heart knows it well. Your heart knows it. That takes care of all false humility, brothers and sisters. So much false humility in Christianity. We say, oh, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Don't praise me. It's, it was them, it was them. It was... Unless you can truthfully say, it was him. Thank you for blessing me. That word came from him. That's all you need to say. That's it. Because that's the truth. And your heart knows it. Without that, without this being an act of obedience to him, it's dead. There's no life-giving spirit in it. It's for me. It's for my glory. It's for my praise. Or some satisfaction I get out of it. But when it becomes an act of obedience, first, it's crucified. And that crucifixion doesn't come quickly. Many times, it's a day and a night experience. I don't know if you've experienced this. Sometimes it's longer than that. Jesus, as he approached the Passover time, began to get heavy. It says, from this time on, he began to talk about the cross. It was a process, not a moment thing, a process of death. But he continued to embrace it and to walk into obedience with it. It was a struggle through the night. This is Jesus. You think you can die better than that? This is our Lord and Master. Is it not enough that the servant is made like his Lord? Jesus said. But when we avoid the struggle of the cross before the public humiliation, we avoid the cross. 
we avoid the beatings, the mockery, the crown of thorns, the false kingly robe. We avoid the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. He's worthy to die. We avoid what I call the criminal effect. People in your life whom are the closest to you think you're the criminal. You brought this on yourself. You deserve it. They don't understand that it's the cross of Christ. No one, not even his closest disciple, understood it was his father's will. They didn't. And no one in your life will believe that. That this cross is an act of your obedience to your heavenly father. They don't see it that way. If they would, it wouldn't have the death effect. You'd have someone like Peter saying, no, 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 no. It's okay. I get it. You'd have some earthly consolation. And it wouldn't totally separate Jesus from everyone on earth. But the cross of Christ always stands alone. It separates husband and wife. That's what Jesus said, not me. It separates children and parents. The closest earthly relationships that are right that are God-ordered right, separates those to himself. I remember the day very well when the Lord began to do this work deeply in my heart and in obedience to God that I knew he was calling me to, to walk in the Spirit. My parents did not understand and attributed it to the devil. And I remember when the Lord said to me, Ephesians 6, verse 2, Honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. There is an honorable disobedience that needs to happen in every child and parent relationship. Once the child comes to the place where Jesus Christ wants to take first place and separate that child to God, there needs to be an honorable disobedience happening in the heart. Because a parent won't understand what's going on. Now I believe, and as a dad, this is a very delicate issue. And I speak it very carefully. Because I believe... I want the best for my son, for our sons. I want everything God wants for them. But the truth is, there's still earthly limitations to my understanding of God's will for their life. And that separation, I have come to the point as a dad to anticipate, to look for, and even to pray for. Father, at one point, Sometime, 
bring such a conviction of the Holy Spirit into our sons' hearts and lives that I don't even understand. But as I walk with you, I see that's the cross of Jesus taking care of this. And when parents, godly parents, spiritual parents look for this, they'll recognize it when it happens and they will honor it. For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it began to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and take counsel whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Wow, 10 to 20? You better count that one. If you've only got 10,000, but he has 20,000, how are you going to win the battle? Or, or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks terms of peace. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions. Is there anything in your life you haven't given up? Here's the test. When the Lord asks for it, do you struggle? Lord, this is mine. This is mine. She's my wife. Don't you touch her, Lord. She's mine. They're my children. This is my ministry. This is my work. This is my... Then you're not his disciple in that area in his life. You're not following him. That's the difference. Discipleship means that you are following Jesus in every area of everything you possess. And there's only one thing that'll do it. The cross, the death of the cross. And then he takes it. And he says, now, when it's completely dead to you, completely died in your heart and all of your affections, you've given it up, it's dead it's over last few weeks we've been playing some celebrating some birthday parties over at LLT fun center and for some reason as we, as we played laser tag at the end of the laser tag game there's this thing that comes on this voice that says it's over man it's over game over man game over and it's been ringing in my head you know we played five six games a couple hours we're there and it's and I come home to the boys and I started saying to the boys, it's game over, man. It's over. Game over, son. Game over, daughter. It's over.
or else it's tasteless salt. Anybody want some tasteless salt in your life? There's only one purpose for it, Jesus said. Therefore, salt is good. But even if salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless. Neither for the soil, it's not even good for manure. What are you going to do with it? Tasteless salt, what are you going to do with it? It's completely useless. Except for one thing. You know what's good for? Snow melt. That's what Jesus said. Trampled on the ground. No, that's true. Becomes poisonous. Good point. Becomes poisonous in my life and in everybody around me. Tasteless salt. Undiscipled love is what I call it. But it appears to us like this. And this is what the Lord continues to speak and do regularly in my life. He's been doing this in my life again this week. And as I, as I pray with brothers and seek God's face and pray with others, other Christians, I see the Holy Spirit being faithful in His children's lives. To do exactly this. The cross. Bring, offer. And Jesus, this is the interesting thing. Jesus doesn't force the cross on your life. I hear sometimes people say that when hard times come into the life, maybe hardship, financial hardships or the death of a loved one or something that's out of your control. Oh, it's the cross of Jesus. I'm going to endure it. No, it's not. That's just life. That happens to everybody who lives on the earth, Christian or not. The cross of Christ has this one component that you should not miss. It's voluntary, not forced. Jesus said it clearly in John chapter 10, verse 18. No man takes the light, my life from me. I lay it down. And I have the power to raise it back up again this my father. He says, this my commandment my father gave to me. It was an act of obedience to his father, but it was voluntary. The cross of Jesus will do nothing for you if it's forced by others. It's voluntary. Now, many times situations arise in our life that are out of our control and they offer the cross to us, but it's never forced. You must voluntarily Take up that act of obedience and walk through that experience voluntary. Don't ever forget that, dear brothers and sisters. The cross of Christ is a voluntary act of obedience. For instance, circumstances will come. Death will happen in your life. Financial adversity will come. Now, how will you deal with it? Will it be an act of faith or make you bitter? A bitter struggle of self-determination. That's the difference of the cross. Things will happen in our life. Divorce happens. Unfaithfulness happens. 
will you do with it? Will it make you bitter and angry? Or will you voluntarily take up that experience and in faith walk with Jesus through it and let him guide you? And everyone else in your life Maybe well, la 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 la, giving their opinions. Oh, they will. But for you, it's a not my will, but thine experience. The cross of Jesus. And that's what sanctifies every circumstance that happens to all people and makes it different for me. I really hope that that man who gave his life in Iraq for his friends was a believer. Because if he was, he gets a heavenly reward today. You see the difference? But if he wasn't, he doesn't. He's in hell today. It's the difference of hell and heaven. Of death and life. Spiritual death and life. This is. But we must understand how it looks to others, and how it looks to me at first glance. First Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says in verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech. They were looking for a good preacher. Paul was not one. You would have been bored to death listening to Paul. Most American Western Christians wouldn't even go to listen to that guy today. I really believe that. Because you know what he says to the Corinthians? The Corinthians said, this guy doesn't speak well. I don't know if he stammered or what, but he, he didn't preach like he wrote. See, we think he did, but he didn't. The Corinthians said, who wants to go listen to this guy? I mean, a kid falls asleep. I mean, for one thing, he's really long-winded. He preaches all night. You think I'm long-winded? I'm not near yet like Apostle Paul. I'm trying to follow him, but I'm not there yet. We don't have the tolerance to listen to Apostle Paul preaching today. We're done with it. We're over. He's boring. He's long-winded. There's no power of the gospel in it. I feel like foolishness, wasting my time, and I'm hungry. And I got things to do. That's exactly how they felt. His speech is contemptible. That's a pretty strong word. That means they treat it with contempt. But his letters, now that's a whole different story. You know why his letters were different than his speech? One of the reasons is he wrote his letters in prison. Not in cleverness of speech. There is a reason for this, Paul says. There's still a reason for it. It nullifies the cross of Christ in your life. Did you know listening to me preach should crucify your flesh? If it doesn't, it's not the power of God. That's exactly what he's saying. If a sermon tickles my ears thrills my soul, but does not put me, my flesh to death, does not do the work of the cross. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the power of God. 
boy, wouldn't that change the Western church? Go to China. Just go to India. Go to Central America, where the poor are hungry for the gospel. They have nothing else to do, by the way. They have no football games to go watch. They have no big meal that their you know, uh, 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 taste buds are, are waiting for. They just have another meal of rice like they had it for breakfast. There's one thing, though, that they're starving for. That's the gospel. Blessed are the poor, for they receive the gospel. The gospel is preached to them. I was watching a video of the church in China not long ago when those, those dear people meet in storm cellars and in basements in the middle of the night. Not on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning after they had all night of rest and had their coffee and their nice breakfast and then have an, one hour a week to listen to a sermon. That's enough for me, thank you. No, in the middle of the night, in the cold freezing winter, they'll sneak over to somebody's basement and guess how long the preacher preaches all night. Hallelujah. Are you sure you can have fellowship with those guys? It's real, guys. It's real. We fool ourselves when we think that the preaching that the cross of Christ should not be made void. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are believing, saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever. I will just set it aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, the religious, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not 
the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are. See the exchange? The cross is despised, is avoided at almost all costs to many, many who profess Jesus Christ. God forbid it, Lord, is the cry of our heart. I remember in my own life, and I hope you have this testimony too. If not, Jesus is offering it to you today. I remember in my life that many times when the Lord calls me to an act of obedience to step out and obey, I am crucified by Christians. If you haven't read this book, you should. It's titled that way by a brother called Gene Edwards. He's now with the Lord. And he writes books in a very radical kind of way. But he wrote this book and I read it many, many years ago. And it was very interesting because shortly after I read this book, that's exactly what the Lord offered to me. Crucified by Christians. Shortly after I read that book, I felt the Lord calling us to move to Colorado. I didn't even know what was in Colorado. We knew maybe one or two people here. I'd never been here in my life. I was, may I say, a pretty prominent young brother in the church, overseeing numerous different ministries and had much more opportunity offered to me in the church yet, spiritual ministries, and I was a partner of a business that employed 15 men, from mostly from the church. The Lord was blessing us financially. It was a blessing to the church. All of a sudden, I heard the call. I need you to move to Colorado. And I remember in my struggle and in my prayers, the Lord spoke so strongly to my heart and said, you don't have to. But if you do, I have a greater blessing for you. It won't be sin if you stay. But I have a greater blessing for you. A work for you to do. And after I went through that incredible struggle, months of it, where I finally said, okay, Lord, I'm going. The moment I said I'm going, that night, I remember so well as the word came out, I should say that week, a brother came to me one morning as I was in my office, and he looked ashen and pale, and I love this brother. Today we have good fellowship And he meant it well, just like Peter. But he walks into my office and he says, Phil, I didn't sleep all night. I got to talk to you, man. This was a brother I was close with. He said, this idea you have of moving to Colorado is from the devil. It's from the devil. He's trying to destroy our church. He wants to put all these guys out of jobs. You're going to sell this business and who's going to buy it? Some, Some big corporate guru and what's it going to do with us I mean this hasn't been a blessing in the church for years this was given to you by God entrusted to you this whole thing is just an an act of the devil to try to destroy us and it will destroy young people it's going to destroy it no you can't do this plus what about we have you know God is wanting to work in us as a church what are you going out there for we need you 
He said, I know it's the devil. I had a vision last night. The Lord told me to tell you. I was 24 years old, and I was shaken to the core of my being. I had just went through this incredible struggle to get bold enough to tell people, this is where God is calling me. I had thought about all of those things. It's going to affect. I had wrestled through it. But now to be told by one of my close older brothers, he knows he had a vision from God. This is of the devil. What to do? And I remember I went home and I began to seek God with my whole heart, fasting and praying. And I just told Katie one day, I have to just go. And I went up into the mountains. I took off of work and I just was all by myself, walking the woods, crying out to God with all my heart. God, what shall I do? I don't know. I didn't have a bright, shining figure come and tell me in a trance what to do. But at the end of the day, I heard the Lord say in a still small voice in my heart, follow me. So I said, follow me. And I did. And a lot of things fell apart. And not only him, but many people told me it was not of God. I was blamed for a lot of problems that came afterward in the church and in the business. But I wasn't allowed to say one word. Else it would have nullified the cross of Christ. Dead men don't speak. Jesus didn't answer a word as he hung on the cross. He was falsely accused. The Lord said, be like me. Don't nullify the cross. I'm putting something to death in you and separating it from myself. Don't try to avoid it. As I walked through that and we obeyed the Lord, about five years later, to give you a witness, about five years later, the Lord usually waits for a while to make sure it's really dead, that you really have died with Christ. No one's even talking about it anymore. It's dead. You are dead to them. They are dead to you. Over, man. It's over. And then the Lord resurrects it. And all of a sudden, one day, as we moved out here and I was called to ministry out here, I got a phone call from that church. Hey, Phil, we have camp meetings that we want to do, and we'd like for you to come in and be a guest speaker here at our camp meetings. We're going to have it for two weeks. We have one brother doing it the first week. We want you to speak every night the second week. It's a community open camp meeting. And as I prayed about it, I was shaking my shoes. I couldn't believe what is going on. How can this be happening? I said, okay, Lord. The Lord gave me an answer. Go. And I remember as I stood up there the first night, this is the first time many of them had seen me and most certainly most of them had never heard me preach. And as I stood up there, I was scared. I was shaking. I was hanging onto the pulpit. And they were sitting at me and I remember calling Katie afterwards and saying, you know, a lot of them were looking like, at me like a calf at a new gate. 
You guys are dairy farmers, you understand that, right? We used to put a shiny new gate on a calf pen, and the calf would back all the way in the corner, was just freaked out by this new gate in his stall, didn't know what to do with it. I felt like the people were just, it was weird, strange to me. But the Lord said, follow me. And I just shared his word. And that week, my dear brothers and sisters, the power of God came down and changed souls and many were converted. And that dear brother and many others came up to me afterward, hugging me. We wept together. We prayed together. Every day that brother came over with me and we wept and we prayed and we were in the presence of Jesus. It was the power of God. But the Lord needed to do a work of faith in his heart and in my heart. To accomplish his will in them and in me. This is the power of the cross. Without it, we just play church. That's all. We're in the flesh. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you for your cross. You alone. You alone. Sit in the most holy place on the mercy seat of our lives and make intercession for us. You alone invite us to take up your cross and follow you. And as we celebrate your death and resurrection, I pray put this testimony in our hearts today. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Phil for sharing the word. And we heard a lot about the cross and what Jesus wants his cross to do in our lives. And so we come this morning to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross because ultimately that's that's where it starts if we don't understand what Jesus did on the cross and all these things we heard this morning about what the cross should do in our life aren't going to get us anywhere at all. They're very important things, but sometimes I think we, we can forget or not necessarily forget, but take for granted what... Jesus has done on the cross. It, it can it can become just a story, or perhaps we somewhat lose the meaning. But I, I think in in First Corinthians eleven, where it gives that story of the uh, the communion story, if you will, or the order of the Lord's Supper, as as Paul presents it to the church. 
Actually, I think I'm, I'm going to read that. And I was, I was just reading it in uh, the New Living Translation, somewhat of a paraphrase, and I, I like the way it brought out some of, uh, some of the words, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verse 23, says, for I, pass, <clears throat> for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread. And gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourselves before you eat, before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you will eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. This is why you are weak and sick and many of you have died. Now, I've heard those verses, those last verses there translated many times in a way that uh, go against what I was sharing earlier this morning in the singing of coming to God just as you are. And this, I, I've heard so many times interpreted in, in churches I grew up in that we, got, we have to examine ourselves and make sure that we're essentially worthy, that there's nothing in your in your life that that isn't like Christ, and that and that is good as far as that goes. But I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I, I think he's talking about that very thing of just taking the cross of Christ for granted, taking his sacrifice for granted. It doesn't really mean anything. Oh well, you know. It's, it's not that big of a deal. This is just something we kind of do on Sundays once, once a month. It's not that huge of a deal. I believe he wants us to realize what he did and what, as we heard this morning, he wants the cross to do in our lives. I believe that's how we look at it in not eating and drinking unworthily, that we understand what, what he has done and what he wants to do in our lives and not to take that lightly. So I invite you to do that this morning. This is something that we do together as a church family in celebration of uh, Jesus and what he's done on the cross and what he wants to do in our lives. But more importantly, it's something that you do before God and your relationship to him and acknowledgement of his cross and what he wants to do in your life. And that's between you and God. No one else can, can uh, define that for you or tell you where your relationship is at. That is between you and God and the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
But if God has confirmed that in your life, if you are a believer, no matter if you're here as a visitor, as a regular attender, whatever the case, if you have that witness of Christ in your heart, that you believe in him, you believe in the cross of Christ and what he's done, and you want him to work his, the power of his cross in your life, we invite you to share this time with us. And regarding the, the children, we believe that at a, at a young age, children are not uh, responsible to, to God in that way until he starts to, until he begins to call them to himself. God does not hold sin against them. We believe they are free in his sight. But if your child has come to that age where they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are welcome to uh, partake in this as well with us. Uh, Our prayer times, and also again this morning, you heard him share a little bit. He suffers from uh, mental weakness and some other things. I'll just let you share a little bit, Todd. And I asked Todd if he would be willing to allow us to anoint him with oil and, and, and pray for healing. That's what James tells us to do, whether it's uh, physical healing. I believe in the full scope healing, spirit, body, soul. That's what Paul said. He prays for the Thessalonians. I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body, and actually in that order, Spirit first is most important. The body is just temporal. The spirit lives forever. Woe to us if we go through this life with an unhealed spirit, full of bitterness, afflicted by the devil, and sick in our spirit, but healed physically. But blessed we are if our body is suffering, but our spirit is alive and fully healed before the Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to have, to have this testimony. Um, I've uh, been through a lot in my life and here recently. Um, just the last couple of years, uh, God has blessed me with a, a place to live. And several times I've tried to screw it up and sabotage it just like I did. Most of my life where I'd have periods of of uh, really bad bouts of uh, problems in my head and things that I'm trying to get rid of. Um, when you're younger, you might have some traumas or things that you don't understand. And when you're a child, you have coping mechanisms when it comes to how you, you deal with things. And and sometimes um, you, you uh, carry those things with you into your adulthood and you cope with things the wrong way and you hurt people that you love the most. And I, I'm still, still struggling with a lot, but I just recently tried to lift some things off my chest to d- try to make amends with some people that I was using. And I know that God loves me. And I know I have a good support system and I have lots of people helping me out and watching me that I don't even know and care about me. And I'm letting the enemy take things that are good and, and the people that I, I love and, and 
those attachments. So I'm I'm going to to different groups and 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 I have uh, a lot of things that uh, I don't know saying words, but people that have been through a lot of things, you can give them labels, but God, God knows your heart. He knows your comings and your goings, where you're going, and I just uh, thank Him so much for what He's done for for everybody, even if we don't accept His grace and His mercy. He still, he still loves us. So, um, I don't know. I just, everybody, thank you. I can feel the love, and I haven't been here for a while. I'm, you know, the holidays are hard for me, but thank you. Lord, would you come sit up here, Minister Team? Would you come forward? <clears throat> Let's pray around him, and anyone else who wants to join us, lay hands on. Him. Todd, pray. Lord, I thank you for Todd. Lord, I know we have freedom, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would give Todd the freedom, Lord, that he, that we all so long for, Lord, in Christ Jesus, Lord, because you have set us free from sin. And, Lord, you love us. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us as a family, family of God, Lord, to love one another. By this shall men know you're my disciple when you have that love one for another. And I thank you for Todd, Lord, that he could be part of the family in that way. So give him deliverance, Lord, whatever yes. his problem Amen. might be Jesus. through Jesus Christ, the finished work on the cross. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that as we come to you, we know that in you is complete salvation, healing, and all that you offer. Lord, you sent out the 12, you sent out the 70. And, Lord, you told them to go and to preach the gospel and to heal. Lord, we know and you understand that, Lord, your desire is to see people well and that you love us and you care about us and you want to see us um, good in health but above all in our spiritual life. And, Lord, I just pray this for our brother and pray that you would do a work in his heart and his life, Lord, and in his body. And, Lord, that he would rejoice before you. And, Lord, that he would be faithful until the end because of your work within him. I pray this in your name. Lord, I, I thank you for Todd. I thank you for his friendship. Lord, we do struggle with things at times. And, and we know, Lord, that you are able to do anything. And, Lord, I just pray as he, he's asked humbly, Lord, for your help, that you would just touch his life, give him peace. And, Lord, I just pray the fellowship here would just let him know, Lord, that he's loved. And, Lord, we're, we all um, have difficulties in life. But Lord, you you are able. To, you are God, and you you want us to have joy and peace and comfort. So I just pray the comfort of the Holy Spirit in His life that you would be with Him in Jesus' name. Yes, Father, we come to you on behalf of my brother here.
Lord, you see all, you know all, and we're here before you today that none of this comes as a surprise to you, and we take comfort in that, Father, that you know and understand all things. Mm -hmm. And far beyond that, you have the solution for everything that we face. Everything is in you and through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we pray for that power of your son, Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit to be on our brother here today and to give him healing physically, mentally, and most of all to draw him to even a closer spiritual walk with yes, you. Amen, that his life would be a reflection in all three of those areas, a reflection of you and what you want to do in our lives. Amen. And I thank you, Father, for the power that you have that will do this. In Jesus' name. Satan, we resist you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of all mankind. Those who believe and call out to you, Lord Jesus, you have said you will not cast out. So, Father, I pray that you would rebuke the devil over Todd's life, those areas, Lord, that he's given to Satan, those areas, Lord, that in the past Satan has used the weakness of his flesh and of his mind to torment him. Father, I pray that you would come and set him free. Rebuke Satan over him and cause him to flee. And Lord Jesus, touch him with your healing hand, with your forgiving, your forgiving grace. Forgive all of his sins and cleanse him from all unrighteousness. You said in to us in the word in James that if he has committed any sins, he will, they will be forgiven him. As we anoint him with oil and pray over him that you will raise him up. So we pray in faith, raise him up in his inner man and strengthen him with all might by the power of your Holy Spirit and give him newness of life, Lord. A newness of life in those areas where they were weak and where he struggled Shut the door to the devil. And Lord, I pray that you would come and fill those rooms in his life and his heart with your life-giving spirit and your strength would be made perfect in his weakness. Touch him and heal him, we pray in Jesus' name. Brother Todd, we anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be healed in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. And live for him who died for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think that'll bring us to the close of the service here today. We do have a meal that's prepared and ready for us. Please, everyone, stay and enjoy that. There's uh, a time of fellowship following that is uh, very special and meaningful as well. So if you can, if you're able, please stand and we'll have a closing prayer. Father, I thank you for what you have done here this morning. 
in our lives. I thank you for what you want to continue to do. I pray, Father, that we would embrace that, that we would embrace the power of your life and of your cross in our lives, each and every one of us, each and every day. I pray, Father, you would now bless our time of fellowship here and bless the food that has been prepared. I pray that your will would be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.